0: So if you want to come join, head over to com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. Okay. I have to say like perfect transparency here. I hear biohacking and I always get a little bit of an eye roll because I think we're going to get into really crazy stuff, but I am here to tell you that Tanesha Shears has a much more pragmatic real-life, realistic way of really thinking about how to bring in biohacking into our lives to ultimately increase productivity. I'm really excited for you all to meet here. And the conversation today is really going to be focused around sleep, one of my most favorite things to do, and some ways to improve it, and then some ways to actually really understand how we can test and tweak, and then come back and make sure that we do what she calls closing the loop. So I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm the creator of the Top Program and Top Planner, teaching all things time management, organization, and productivity for women. I'm also a mom and wife, and just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Guess what? You don't have to feel constantly overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. There is another way. When you have the right systems and tools to plan and manage your time, you can live a life of harmony. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time planning and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. If you're ready to stop feeling overwhelmed, this is the show for you. And if you're new here, I'd love to get you started with my work life harmony assessment. All you have to do is DM me on Instagram at Megan Summerle with the word harmony, and my team will send it right over. All right, everyone, welcome back to work life harmony. I have an amazing guest. We were just talking, like, I'm so excited to jump in and geek out. And so I have Tanessa Shears here with me today, and I will let you introduce yourself in a minute, but to just set the stage. Tanessa is all about biohacking, high performance, getting out of overwhelm, like so many of the things that we are passionate, you know, I am passionate about, I know all of our listeners are, but I've never really dug into true biohacking tech, all of that. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and then we're going to start our conversation and really start talking about sleep as an aid in productivity. I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, so my name is Tanessa Shears. I am a health consultant, and I do primarily work with six and seven figure entrepreneurs to help them optimize the way their brain and their body works with biohacking and wearable tech. We're gonna get into a bit about what that is, but the whole purpose of it is if our brain is working optimally and we don't have that brain fog and we don't need a couple cups of coffee to get our day kick started, and we can use our brain at its capacity, how much more we can get done in the given time we give ourselves. Like it's not about working more hours because we're our brain is clear. It's like, if I have four hours to sit down and get something done, can I get it done in four or can I get it done in three? And the way I like to do that is with something called biohacking. Now I'm going to give you a warning. Don't go Google biohacking because
0: there are multiple. Guilty I already did before we jumped on today. And that's what I was like. There are so many different flavors of this out there. I feel.
1: I love that word for it. You're right. Flavors, because you can Google it and you're like, well, you have one end of the spectrum where there are, you know, stem cell re and all kinds of therapies with lights. And, you know, you can stick red lights up your nose and all the kinds of things. That's not where we're going today. The way I love to do biohacking is meeting you where you're at with your health, but then doing it in a way which we're constantly looking at return on investment. So in general, biohacking is essentially doing experiments with your own health and then watching for the result. So I find with a lot of regular health habits, like we're on the internet and we're like, that girl said do 10,000 steps. This guy said I should eat like this okay. We're not really watching if it works for us. So with biohacking, I use wearable tech like Fitbits and Oura rings and stuff like that to see if I'm getting a return on my investment. Meaning if I turn my phone off an hour before sleep, instead of scrolling Instagram up to bed, do I wake up feeling better? And is there data to support that? So it's essentially experimenting on your own health with the whole goal to be clear thinking,
0: longevity, better health, overall better mood and well being. I love that. And why I think this is such a great... Topic is, and why I know I was so aligned with having you on the show, you know, we were talking about how you go on the internet and you say, oh, this person says do this, that, and the other. And for those of you listening who've been through my Master Your Morning training, it's the same principle of, yeah, you don't go on the internet and read someone else's morning routine and then go, oh, well, then that's gonna be mine, right? And that's my whole philosophy on finding your morning routine as well as it's based on your personality type, your specific home situation, and then you try it out. And then you look at the results and say, did this produce what I had wanted? And if not, well, then now we know we need to go back and maybe tweak some stuff. So let's talk a little bit about sleep, which is probably one of my most favorite things to do in the world. I wish I could be awake to enjoy it more, if that makes sense. But I know one of the things that's kind of your zone of genius is how to create an extra hour every single day with high performance sleep. So First of all, what is high-performance sleep? And then second, creating the extra hour, are you meaning that we're actually waking up earlier and sleeping less or we're able to get more out of our
1: day? Yeah. So I think if we look at like the idea of being productive or productivity, we start there. It's not about cramming excessive amount of things into a day just to get it done. It's like, what result can I get in an output of time? And so I'm thinking like, okay, and I remember this, the whole reason I got into this was when I had my first daughter, I remember sitting down to try to write a newsletter and being like so foggy that I couldn't get anything out. And I'm like, this is taking forever. Right. And I was like, How much time am I wasting staring at the screen or waiting for my brain to boot up or getting in gear for the day? And we don't recognize, I think, how much time we lose due to our brain not being at peak capacity. And you asked the question, like, what the heck is high performance sleep? Well, our brain is actually generating different phases of sleep. And the two we can get into today are primarily deep sleep and dream sleep, which is known as REM or rapid eye movement sleep. They both have very different responsibilities and we need to be getting the right quantity of them so that we are showing up the next day with a brain that is ready to take on the day. So just to give you kind of a brief idea, like deep sleep is what happens primarily at the beginning of the night when we fall asleep. You get the first three to four hours, we soak up the most deep sleep and that is responsible for physical body and brain recovery, So think of things like if you had a workout during the day, this is when you actually benefit from your workout and recover. If you did a lot of thinking and decision-making, this is literally when your brain gets physically refreshed. Your spinal fluid gets around your brain, washes off any metabolites during the day. This is when you really physically restore yourself. Now, when you dream at the other end of the night, this is when you get that mental restoration. So if you've ever noticed that you are super creative or you're good at problem solving, or you find that you feel really like cool as a cucumber that day, or you find you're having a good time communicating. You feel like it's flowing. You're getting the other person's vibe. You're reading their facial expressions. Well, that is actually a hallmark of getting really good dream sleep. So those days when you're feeling a little more irritated than usual, and you're short-tempered, and you feel impatient, you're more likely to go to instant gratification, probably just didn't get
0: enough REM sleep. So this is where we dig into high-performance sleep. It's did we get enough of these? Interesting. Now, I've had some other guests on the show to dive into cycle syncing in terms of like creativity and all of that. Do you see a relationship of REM versus deep sleep with cycles as well for women?
1: Yeah, sleep is impacted by our cycles so much to the point where I always, one of the coaching points with my clients is always like, okay, okay, here's the flow, (laughs) no pun intended. Meaning like (laughs) as of day one, you're going to find that your sleep is going to start picking up. Meaning you're going to start having more consolidated sleep. You're going to be able to sleep longer. You're not going to wake up hot during the night. And during about day one, all the way through to day 14, this is when you are getting your highest quality sleep. Those are those days you wake up and you're like, I feel really good. But after ovulation through to the end of your cycle, the hormone progesterone changes a lot. And so that really messes with what we call our biomarkers of time. So our body's ability to regulate its temperature, to be able to stay deep in sleep. And so we often find that you're waking up a lot more, your cortisol is naturally higher, so you're more stressed out and you're overheating, which is making it harder to stay asleep. So I always like to allow for just a little extra time in bed and just know that that is gonna be a time where sleep's a little more disrupted, just
0: naturally. Because I always feel like I get personal coaching when I have guests like you on the show. Hypothetically speaking, if you were in a stage of life that is riddled with hot flashes and irregularity and night sweats, hypothetically speaking, of course, any thoughts around that with sleep and improvements for that? Hey there, if you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list, I have great news for you. I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone and organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink B app. So open up either your App Store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink B, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only 4 dollars US. I will see you inside the app.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it can't quite relate, but I'm eight months postpartum right now. So my hormones... Okay. Well, you're
0: in the throes of all the fluctuations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm still honestly having hot flashes at night, so I can very much relate to that. So one of the things that I will like to do is know that there has to be a lot of breathable materials around me because there's nothing that will exacerbate overheating in the night, like being under a fleece blanket or something that doesn't breathe. So the first thing I check is anything to do with PJs and blankets and stuff like that. Organic cottons, organic silks, if you can, something breathable. And now the other thing I always like to check, and it's a funny question that we don't think about is I like to ask, like, are we wearing socks at night? Because a lot of women are super cold when we go to sleep and then we sweat during the night. Now, here's something I thought was so cool. There is something that the skin on your forehead, the skin on your palms and the skin on the bottom of your feet have in common. They don't have hair on them. It's called glabrous skin. And oh, they, interesting. I know. Right? I know. Yes, and they, they are. are responsible for temperature regulation more than any other skin. So have you ever noticed if you are overheating at night, what's the first thing you do? You throw a Stop foot out. Socks.
0: Yeah. Oh, and floor. then you take your
1: foot out. Yeah. Right. Because exposing that skin to cold air will cool you faster than anything else. So by wearing socks to bed when you're cold at the beginning, it basically guarantees that you will not be able to temperature regulate. So that's just the other thing. And then the last point I'll make on that is do a bedroom temperature check. Like ideally, anywhere between sixty. 68 degrees Fahrenheit is your ideal sleeping temperature. Now I know if you're used to sleeping at 70, it might seem cold, but when you start sleeping really well, I
0: love cold. It's
1: cold. cold. Oh, right. <laughs> but those yeah. are just some tips that can help mitigate that, that I've definitely used myself
0: and have recommended. I love that. And it's funny. I always do the one foot stick out, but now it is very cool to know the why. All right. So with the back to creating an extra hour every day what is the thought process behind this on how our sleep kind of creates that extra hour Yeah. So part of that comes
1: from the idea that when our brains work faster, we get through stuff quickly. So let us just say that we planned a six hour or we have six hours worth of work to do. And that is how much time we give ourselves to do it. Our brains, if they are feeling foggy, will take the full six hours, if not longer. And we all know that experience of like over planning by accident and not accounting for what stage of our cycle we're in, or if we're going to naturally need a little more rest. But we get to the end of that day and all that stuff gets bumped off our to-do list. And what we end up doing, and I have a lot of clients that experience this. After the kids will go to bed, they'll plug back in just to oh. get a little more done because they're like, if I do this, then I can finally catch up. But that's a myth. We never catch up if you're right. If you're ambitious, you are always going to have something fun or new, even if it's planning a vacation. I have clients that are like, no, but I wanted to stay up till midnight and plan a vacation. So what ends up happening is that brain fog bumps stuff off of your to-do list. And we're now doing it 10 30, 11 at night. And we're Mm -hmm. cutting into an hour of sleep, telling ourselves that that is more productive time. But if you cut into an hour of sleep, What happens is it directly not only takes from productivity the next day by slowing you down, but you're not going to get as good a sleep. So
0: everything else in your day is everything else is harder. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying here will give me almost better answers when people will ask how I manage to get as much done and how little I work. My workday is about four and a half hours. And now it's only four days a week because my daughter's not school on Fridays. So Fridays I only get about two and a half hours. And it is true. Obviously I'm a planning expert. I do plan and manage my time well, but there is another underlying piece, which is I prioritize sleep. Like I go to bed early, eight hours minimum. And I know that that plays into my ability to, when I sit down, work very hyper-productively. It's not about tricks or whatever. It's my brain's ready to roll.
1: Right. I and do don't you find too that even <laughs> if you sit down on the weekend and planned your week out, even if you allow for extra time and all of that
0: stuff, your planning is only good as your brain can operate. Yeah. And I'll even tell people when you plan, you need to be in a good place mentally when you sit down to create your plan. Cause if you're exhausted when you're creating it, it reflects itself in your plan. If you're stressed out, your plan shows that. Whereas if you are rested, having you know a relaxed day, you're not anxious or worried about anything, you create much more realistic plans as well, because you're bringing that energy to it. Now, we were chatting before the show about wearable technology, because I know that this is something you are a fan of and how it aids with biohacking. Let's talk first about what are the different types of wearable tech that you see as a good tool, and then what you use different ones for.
1: Yes, the two main categories of wearables right now seem to be the rings and Mm -hmm. the watches. I find that in general, like what I recommend with my clients is just a basic Fitbit Luxe. And the reason I like that for most beginners is just because it has as much information as you might need. Meaning I find with the aura Ring, like I love it because this is my job. And I also teach my clients how to read everything. So it makes sense. But I find a lot of data, like unless you know what to do with your breathing rate and how your heart rate changes during the night and what your skin temperature is, unless you know what to do with that information, it does get very overwhelming. And sometimes people will be like, what do I even do with all of this? And they'll just end up not looking. And on the other hand, the Fitbit is really great. It's a great start place. It gives you most of what you need, especially if you're just looking at, hey, I want to monitor my sleep and I just kind of want to see. And I mean, I wear both a Fitbit and an Aura Ring. And I can tell you with the new algorithm update on the Aura Ring, they are very comparable in terms of what the outputs are for sleep. So in terms of accuracy, I actually find them pretty similar. What I find the problem with some of these trackers are, is like we said, is we leave what we call an open loop. Meaning you wake up, you go through your day, you look at the end of the day, how many steps did I do? Okay, cool. So you go to sleep and then you wake up the next day. Okay, cool. How many steps did I do? And it's just like, what is this information for? So I always liked this concept of closing the loop, meaning like, okay, am I actually using this information? Meaning like, let's just use steps per day because it's a really easy one to understand. If I'm getting 2000 steps per day, And I want to move more. I need 3,000 steps per day. And I'm going to check at the end of the day. And if it worked, great. And if it didn't, oh my gosh, what am I going to do to get an extra 1,000 steps in a day? And how can I break that down into 250 step chunks? Right. So we start looking at it like that and closing the loop and knowing what to do with the data. Now, the one reason that I really love this wearable tech is because I love to export it. I'm a really big Google Sheet nerd. Oh, my to- God. That's my, oh. like, give me a spreadsheet, man. It's good stuff. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I like from both devices, I export everything and upload it onto Google Sheets and, you know, get some you good conditional it? formatting there in there. And what I love to see is trends. Going back to that whole cycle syncing idea we were talking about earlier is, I can see months of data at a time instead of this one-off random data that I don't know what to do with. And you can start to see, oh, my quality of sleep is better on days one to 14 of my cycle. And it changes after that. Or you can start to see interesting on the weekends, my quality of sleep sucks. Well, maybe it's because I'm going to sleep later and waking up later, or maybe I had alcohol and you're starting to get to tie it together by looking at like trends over time instead of one piece of evidence. And do most wearable tech have the ability to do that, to export data out? As far as I know, Apple Watch, you have to pair it with a third-party app that you have to pay for to export it as you need. But Fitbit and Aura Ring do export it in a way that you can then
0: copy it over to a sheet or an Excel file. Okay. So let's talk cost on these because I've had all three over the course of my life. I've done Apple Watch, I've done Fitbit, although not in a while, I've done the Aura Ring. So... I think the Aura Ring is around, what, four or $500. It's not expensive. Uh, $299
1: US. And then they do okay. a, I think it's $699 a month membership fee. Yeah, I think they give you the data first six months for free. And then and not then anymore. Oh, not anymore. Okay. No, that's it's cool. kind of actually All why right. I veered away from recommending Aura Ring just because of the subscription access, your data. Whereas well, the
0: price went down because it didn't used to be $299. So I think that's how they've. Had it used know. to cost more. So maybe they've lowered the price and done that. And then the Fitbit, the one that you're talking about, what's the price range on that typically? Honestly, on Amazon, they'll fluctuate, they'll
1: get as cheap as 85 bucks and up to a hundred bucks. And there's no required membership at this point, right? Which kind of makes it a really good entry point. You get everything you need.
0: Yeah, I feel like that is. Now I was very honest with you. So I know I'm not like throwing you under the bus by saying this, but I do think it's important to talk about. So As I mentioned, I've done like way back when I did a Fitbit, but I didn't love it. But this was like years ago before it is what it is now. I ended up getting an Apple Watch as a gift and then ended up purchasing an Aura Ring to try and really help with navigating menopause and sleep and all of that. I eventually found, and I know some of it probably was user not knowing all the interpretation, but I mean, I did dig into really understanding the data. I don't wear any technology at all ever. One with the Apple watch was even though I had all the notifications off, this is just a personal thing for me. I found myself starting to get a little obsessive on tracking the rings and the closing of the rings and the exercise. And I was like, I need to step away. Cause I'm going to get like overly psychotic about this. <laughs> and then just reading more and more about any kind of electrical currents on our body, near our body, all of that. I just finally went, you know what? So I still have my ring, it's tucked away in a drawer, but I've always wondered, will I go back to it? Will I not? What can you talk to on that point on just having that electricity of any form, you know, batteries, whatever, kind of on 24 seven?
1: Yeah, I do think there is a fair point to that. I mean, I'm the one who shuts off the Wi-Fi in my house at night and Bluetooth Mm -hmm. off phone is on airplane mode. There is nothing plugged in and charging anywhere in my bedroom while I sleep at night, including phones. So I hear you on that. And the nice thing about the aura ring is as well as it can go on airplane mode. Sorry. So there is validity to that, especially if we know that there is a lot of inflammation created when we are attached to batteries or not grounding like there's an Instagram account they are based out of Texas but they are called test my home and I've seen a couple of reels that they have shared but what they do is they measure the voltage when you're holding different items and one Husband of them has that he went and bought yeah. one of those and is now like yes. walking around our houses we're doing things and start yes <laughs> I've learned so much from their reels but one of the ones that I thought was fantastic was showing holding a cell phone while it was charging and the amount of amperage. charging. Ampage. Interesting. And, right. So I do think there is a fair point to that. So if that was a concern, what I might recommend is looking at, okay, if I want to be able to access the data and understand this thing, how can I get what
0: I need and then get out? Meaning maybe yes. like, I do this for a month or six weeks or something. And then, step away and then bring it back yeah. if there's something else I want to tweak and learn from or right. something.
1: And then the alternative step down from that is you can also just wear it to sleep as opposed to wearing it all, all the day long. So these are different kinds of step-wise. Why I like using these devices, at least from an awareness point of view, it's kind of like, sometimes we're unaware of what we're eating until we write it down. And we're like, I didn't realize I snack so much, you know? Right. So it does give that. And one of the things that I do find with a lot of people is they'll say to me, no, my sleep is fine. Can we do something like exercise? Can we talk about my food? Like I find that that is a conversation and I'm always like, let's just wait till we see the data comes back. And nine times out of 10, most people are getting less than seven hours of sleep at night because what they're interpreting as I'm getting seven hours of sleep per night is I'm spending seven hours in bed. I look at a lot of data from a lot of clients and the average client is awake between about an hour and 10 to an hour and 20 minutes every night. And this includes falling asleep, waking up between sleep cycles. You know, when you have to wake up either, like you said, hot flash or go to the washroom or kids wake you up and then you wake up in the morning. Like we don't just like turn our brains on and turn them off. Right. So Mm -hmm. when we start to look at that and we're in bed from 11 to six and we're telling ourselves I'm getting seven hours of sleep per night but you're actually getting six or less. And this is why our brains aren't working, despite sometimes we think we're getting good sleep. So these devices to me really allow us to kind of hold a mirror up to our behavior and be like, oh, well, no wonder I feel so tired. I was confusing the opportunity I gave myself to sleep with how much time I'm actually asleep. So if you don't have a device, just take the average. If it's an hour awake every night, would you be getting as much sleep as you think you're getting? And could that be why you feel so
0: foggy during the day? Interesting. Have you found anything with the data? I'm one of those people that drives like my husband or my sisters when I travel with them crazy because literally my head hits the pillow when I'm done. Like I am snoring in two minutes or less. I've been that way my whole life. Is there anything you found on why some people are more wired that way where others are not?
1: Yeah. So what you're talking about is called sleep latency and it's how long yes. our brain take to wind right down. And that right? was
0: one thing the aura Ring was telling me, like, it wasn't good that I fell asleep so fast. And I mean, guys, I go to bed at nine o'clock at night, my lights off at nine 15. So, I mean, I really am going to bed early and going to sleep early, but I fall asleep like that. Yeah. So
1: in general, like the recommended, according to the National Sleep Institute, amount of time it should take your brain to fall asleep is between five and 15 minutes. 20 max. If it's taking you longer than 20, it likely indicates there wasn't a proper wind down in place, or there was too much cortisol in your system. You ate too close to bed, something like that. If you're falling asleep in less than five minutes, it usually means that you're carrying a bit of a sleep debt or you're exhausted. So the easy question to ask ourselves is, do I wake up with an alarm clock? And if we need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning, it likely means we're not getting as much sleep as we need. So what that can mean is if we're waking up at a certain time, we go throughout our day and we hit the pillow and we're passed out at night, that just might mean that we are so tired that our brain can't take the full five minutes to fall asleep. And I think it really is situational dependent because I get that notification
0: on my aura ring, but it's usually when I fall asleep reading. And I don't know that that's the same thing. Oh, exactly. I have found where it said I'm sleeping and I'm not when I'm reading because I'm so in a relaxed state. Yeah. For sure. I hadn't thought about that. Well,
1: yeah. that's what I would just look at. And so much yeah, of like yeah. there is data and then there is experience. And you just ask yourself, like, do I feel well rested? Do I feel clear and sharp and focused? And do I feel like I could use more sleep? And a really other good test is on the weekend, does your sleep pattern change? Mm-hmm. Meaning if you get an extra half hour to hour of sleep on the weekend, it likely means Like we said, there's a little bit of a sleep deck carried during the week, and then you just get to experiment. You get to say, okay, so if this is the hypothesis, how can I try and change this for one week and then see if I feel differently? And now that I've had both experiences of my normal sleep schedule and a little bit more, is there anything different? If not, you go back to what's worked before, and if there is, you get to decide whether or not you want to keep it.
0: Very cool. Very interesting. It just has me thinking about maybe doing a little test run back with my aura Ring again. This has been so, so helpful. A lot to think about. And I know you have, is it a free training that's available for folks as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, three secrets or three biohacking secrets to optimize your sleep and boost your energy. Perfect. Perfect. I was like, what are the three things that I teach over and over again that make the biggest difference with our clarity and our energy so that we can get that extra hour back in our time? And it's really simple, three-part video training, nice and short. Everything is super actionable so that you can start taking action right away. And that's at tanessashearscom slash
0: biohacking. Okay, perfect. And guys, we have that in the show notes. So make sure you go grab that, especially... For all my mom friends out there, I mean, every minute, every minute of that sleep can make a difference in our day. And so if we can get really good quality sleep, truly it's life-changing. Thank you so much for being here today. I learned so much and given me a lot to think about. So we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Getting on top of all things, time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. If you want one tap access to all of my training and current top podcasts, go to the app store or Google play and download